Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. Last class session we talked about the seven year itch and this class session we're going to talk about the spirit of St. Louis. Um, this is the story of Charles Liberg's history making flight from New York to Paris, which I think a lot of us are familiar with. Um, as it turns out, unfortunately, I th um, Billy thinks a lot of the audience wasn't as familiar with this story as maybe they should have been, so this movie didn't do that well. Although it's um, Jimmy Stewart's favorite of all the movies he was in and and it's highly regarded by steven spielberg um despite the 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 lack of success at the time and the the retroactive success later this this film was incredibly difficult to make um and i i actually applaud billy for for even daring to do a piece like this because it, it seems simple right there's a natural story there the man making history you know really trailblazing it it seems like it should work but the there were a lot of things fighting against billy billy says spirit was the toughest picture i ever made not only was it an exacting period piece but shooting the aerial scenes was especially tiring and after a while boring we had to use two planes for each one shown on screen one for the ground and one for the air it took hours for anything to happen that's from nobody's perfect and that's just the that's just the physical and 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 time constraints of making the movie. The real issue is how do you make a movie about a man by himself in a cockpit? It's not like Castaway where there's there's things that he's trying to figure out and he's problem solving and there's story there. This is just a man by himself flying over an ocean for most of it in a tiny cockpit. How how in the world do you do you stretch an entire movie out of that? Well, part of this is Part of what helps is Billy Wilder went back to an old friend, an old friend that he had known um, in Europe when he was making films there, Franz Waxman, who wrote a great score for the film. And it needed that because there's these long visual sequences of a man in a cockpit. But here's what Billy says about the film. He says... He, he says all this in conversations with Billy Wilder. He says, I could not get in a little deeper into Lindbergh's character. There was a wall there. It was understood the picture had to follow the book. It had to be about the flight only. Let me pause real quick for a second. See, Billy, Billy knew Charles Lindbergh. And they had many, many conversations um, about what the film should be, what it could be. But Lindbergh put up a wall and he, he said... It's got to stick to the to these pages in my book, and it only needs to be about the flight because there was other things that happened in Lindbergh's life later that were very interesting, but weren't something that he wanted revisited on the screen. His uh, one of his kids got kidnapped. There were all kinds of things, and um, so so it was it was understood and taken on good faith that Billy would make this film just about the flight. Billy goes on. He says, "I heard a story from newspapermen who were there in Long Island waiting for him to take off." The newspaperman told me a little episode that happened there, and that would have been and that, and that would have been enough to make this a real picture. The episode was that Lindbergh was waiting for the clouds to disappear. The rain and the weather had to be perfect before he took off. There was a waitress in a little restaurant there. She was young. She was very pretty. And they came to her and said, "Look, this young guy there, Lindbergh, sweet, you know, handsome. He is going to. Yes, I know he's going to fly over the water." And they said, it's going to be a flying coffin full of gas, and he's not going to make it. But we come to you for the following reason. The guy's never been laid. Would you do us a favor, please? Just knock on the door, because the guy can't sleep. So she does it. And at the very end of the picture, when there's the parade down Fifth Avenue, millions of people, and there's that girl standing there in the crowd. 
She's waving at him, and he doesn't see her. She waves her hand at him during the ticker tape parade, the confetti raining down. He never sees her. He's God now. This would be, this alone would be enough to make the picture, but I could not even suggest it to him. And that was the problem because Lindbergh limited him to maybe one of the least cinematic settings in, in, in movie history, you know? Um, there was no way that Billy could do that, but that would have at least, you know, had a, given a sense of an arc, given a sense of, of, of a change in character, change in situation, a kind of a, a something, you know, this, this film in many ways is what Tarantino would call a situation, not a story. You know, if you want to learn more about that, I, I think it's all in the episode on true romance. Um, but that alone, he says, just just that little kind of before and after thing would have been enough to to, to help kind of push push the picture and give it a story, you know. But, but but there was no way he could do that. So he goes on to say in conversations with Billy Wilder, he says, so now we had to invent because I did not want to have voiceover. I had to invent a fly that finds its way into the cockpit and Lindbergh talks to the fly. That fly... <laughs> Might save the movie, honestly, because he's right. If this film had just been covered from from fade up to fade out with voiceover, I don't think it works. It it, it would get monotonous. It would it would just fall flat on its face. But to have anything, a fly, even that that finds its way into the cockpit and Lindbergh can talk to the fly, at least then he has. Even if it's not another character, it's at least a something. It's like a Wilson, you know, in Castaway that he can at least kind of bounce off of and have something to interact with, something to do. And the reason Billy does this, as he also says in in uh, conversations with Billy Wilder, he says, a director cannot live on lofty concepts. He must photograph definite ideas. That's the thing that is so hard is, you know, very often we want to communicate big ideas when we take on projects, when we, when, when we go head, head first into a passion project or whatever, we want to, you know, we have these lofty concepts in our head, but we have to somehow boil that down to definite ideas. Cause that's the only thing the camera can really capture is these definite ideas. You know, voiceover is a great tool, but we've talked about how to use voiceover. You know, voiceover can't be the thing that drives the story. That's not enough. You know, it's a visual medium. You have to photograph definite ideas. Billy Wilder, Billy reiterated that um, in an interview um, in the WGA series, The Writer Speaks. He says, he was asked, what do you worry about as you're writing for when you get it on the set? And he says, whether it's possible to photograph it, you cannot photograph certain things. They're unphotographable. And that's the problem. This is at heart a visual medium. And we have to stay true to that. We have to find ways to boil down what it is we want to communicate to something photographable, something that's not not in the character's head, not in the character's heart, but something that they do, something that they, you know, actual actions that they that they have, actual things that they do, ways of expressing themselves outside of themselves. So that's a little short, but... Um, and I knew it was going to be short anyway, but that's okay. Um, I think I think that alone is enough. Um, just this this challenge to to photograph definite ideas. So 
Next up, we have Love in the Afternoon, then Witness for the Prosecution, and Some Like It Hot. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, feel free to email us, hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at the Hitchcock University Facebook page, or you can uh, reach out to us through Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle um, is uh, Hitchcock underscore U. The letter U is in university. Uh, That's all we have for this class session. Thank you again for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. We'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thanks so much.